I'm Kara, and welcome to the Purpose Driven Mom podcast. Here at A Purpose Driven Mom, I believe in parenting with intentionality, but remembering the grace that God gives us to make things new every single day. I know that mom life can be hard and stressful, and it sometimes feels out of control, but here at A Purpose Driven Mom, the goal is to help you create systems and routines to just feel less overwhelmed, more in control of your time, your parenting, your life, and have more joy in your home. Mom life is hard enough. Don't do it alone. Welcome to The Purpose Driven Mom Show. Thanks for joining episode 45 of the Purpose Driven Mom Show. Today I am interviewing Diana Renee from The Decluttered Mom, and we are going to talk about how you can create a decluttering routine in your house that is not going to overwhelm you, that's not going to make everyone in your house get mad at you, and that you can actually stick to. Diane and I actually recorded this interview for the Purpose Driven Mom Summit, which is very soon, so make sure you go to a purposedrivenmom.com slash 2020 summit. That way, you can snag your free ticket, you can listen to this presentation again, and 24 others that are going to help you nail your routines. As we were finishing up, we had realized that we had scheduled to do another recording together for the podcast, but I figured, you know what, this one has such great tips and content that we wanted to repurpose it for you. So now you can enjoy, if you're coming to the summit, you'll get ahead by one session that you can just attend the live Q&A for, and you can get some really great tips. I love Diana's approach because Diana came from a place where she was stressed out and overwhelmed as a mom and needed to get rid of the clutter. She teaches moms how to declutter from her own experiences. She believes in a minimalish lifestyle where it's not about doing everything perfectly and having nothing in your home, but having a home that you can live in and that fuels your life. I hope that you enjoy this conversation that I'm about to have with Diana Renee from The Decluttered Mom. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Diana Renee from The Decluttered Mom, and we're going to talk about how you can create a decluttering routine in your home that isn't going to drive you crazy or make you super overwhelmed, but give you peace. So Diana, thank you so much for being here at the summit today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you about all of this. And I'm excited to hear and learn from you. This is an area where I need help. I try really hard, but I always go back to the same habits over and over. So I hope that we're going to touch on that. Before we dive in, though, tell us just a little bit about you and your family. Yeah, so um, I live in Denver, Colorado with my husband and two kids. I have two girls. They're six and three. and my youngest is like my crazy wild child. So she's still home with me. My six-year-old's at school and I run my business as a stay-at-home mom and I have her as my sidekick and we're just kind of winging it and seeing how everything goes is like a working from home, stay-at-home mom with no childcare. (laughs) You know how that goes. (laughs) It is an adventure. I know trying to get it done. Tell us though, How did you even get started on this decluttering journey? Yeah, so when said wild child was a newborn, I had a like come to Jesus moment when she was probably about two to three weeks old. She was colicky, first of all. So she was like red faced, screaming baby. She slept for only 15 minutes at a time for the first three months of her life. I thought I was like on the edge of running away. Like it was bad, but she had like one very specific way that she would go to sleep. And I had to swaddle her twice with two swaddles. Um, I had to like tilt her just right against my belly. I had to bounce her on a yoga ball over and over and over in the bathroom 
with it dark, with the shower running, with the noise machine, like it was like down to a science, right? So there was one night when she was two or three weeks old that it was 3.45 in the morning and I was bouncing her. And for whatever reason, I looked around the bathroom and the level of stuff in there like made me feel like I was suffocating in that moment. I just remember like there was a dirty diaper in the corner. There were like piles of clothes everywhere. There was makeup on the counter, which God knows why I had makeup even out at that time of my life, right? Sweeping supplies. Um, you couldn't see the countertop at all. And so it hit me hard. And I just remember just sitting there and crying. I finally got her to sleep. I put her down. I had to like make a path back to my bed, push over clean laundry that I had to fold later just to have a spot to lay down. And again, I just cried. And I remember feeling like I was failing by all the stuff surrounding me. And clutter has always affected me. I didn't realize it until that point, but it's always affected me. And it's kind of like I just hit my breaking point. So long story, kind of short, I gave myself grace thanks to my family members and friends that were like, okay, calm down. You have a three-year-old and a newborn who's colicky. Like, it's okay. Deal with the house later. And when the colic lords took away (laughs) the colic at three months, I was able to finally deal with it. And I was able to sleep for longer than 15 minutes at a time. And someone told me about a documentary called The Minimalist. I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix. So I watched it and I was like, half of me was like, wow, this is amazing. This is really cool. I want to do this. And the other half of me was like, yeah, great for these guys. They're 20 and they don't have kids. And like, (laughs) you know, of course they could be minimalist. But I decided to just give it a try. And I just started getting rid of stuff. And in that nine months, I got rid of over 70% of our household belongings by myself because my husband at that time was totally against it, which is a very, very common obstacle that I hear all the time. And since then, I just started helping friends, which slowly turned into a business locally going into women's homes and helping them declutter. And it now has turned into online uh, virtually where I'm able to help women through a program that I have. Thank you so much for just sharing that struggle because I know that there are moms who are completely like, I can feel all of that. Like, I know what it's like. Um, And to see that you've been able to kind of come out the other side and everything's okay. (laughs) Like you've been able to do it. And one thing I think about when it comes to a decluttering routine, right? That's the theme of our summit is coming up with priority-based routines for your life. And decluttering can become this little routine, but a lot of people struggle with it, especially as moms. Why do you think even just getting started with that is such a problem for people? Yeah. So I think there's a couple things that come into play. Number one, I think it's just overwhelming, right? And so like we become kind of paralyzed with the level of stuff that we have in our home. Like the average American home care has 300,000 items in it. Like that's like nothing to mess around with, right? So as a busy mom already, you have your kids and everything that they're going through. You have all their stuff. And especially if they're a little older, then they tend to hold on to things, especially between ages like four and nine, it's very developmentally appropriate for them to hoard. So collect, you know, if you have a child who collects sticks and rocks and things like that, that drive you nuts. My daughter, my older daughter used to collect like junk mail. Like she would just take the junk mail and she'd be like, this is special to me, you know? So 
I think it's overwhelming, number one. And number two, I think sometimes we try. I know you mentioned before you've decluttered and then it feels like you're just kind of going back to it. And that's usually because of one of two reasons or both. Number one, you maybe weren't ruthless enough when you decluttered, so you didn't get rid of enough stuff. And number two, you probably didn't implement any new habit systems or routines surrounding the decluttering. And so things just came, kept coming back into your home and you didn't have any way to continue to work on it. So I totally understand when a mom wants to declutter, but they don't even know where to begin or they're overwhelmed. And that's just kind of where that routine is really, really, really important with decluttering. I think a lot too about perfectionism. That's cluttering. We see these homes that are beautifully filtered and modern <laughs> on Instagram and they're empty and you're thinking, my home will never look that way. And, you know, things aren't that way. And I think it can hold moms back from feeling like I have to declutter right or I have to do it a certain way, especially now that minimalism is super trend, trendy, right? And Marie Kondo's on the and everyone's like living with nothing and trying to get rid of things. I think that people, especially as moms, can struggle to even get started because you think, but I want my kids to still have things and I don't know where I'm going to put their things and it's never going to be perfect. So why bother starting? What do you think about this like perfectionism that we hold when it comes to decluttering? So my program is actually called Minimalish Starts Here. And it's because of that, um, the whole minimalist movement, I don't really resonate with because like my house doesn't look like that. My house doesn't look like it. Like my family room has more in it than one modern couch and a plant, right? <laughs> like we live here and we have kids. And so I think with, as with anything, I know like I struggle with this in a lot of different areas. Like if I'm going to start, eating healthier, then it's like, if I don't eat perfectly healthy all day long, then I'm failing, right? If I have like one cheese nachos or something, like, then I'm like, oh, crap, now I'm not able to eat healthy. Um, and I think that's the same thing with decluttering. It's like, a lot of moms feel the pressure to have like the Pinterest perfect home or like on Instagram, if you just scroll your Instagram feed, you're gonna feel like you're failing automatically. So that's why I really try to show that life is not perfect. Even if you are a minimalist, you're still going to have stuff in your house. It's just going to be less stuff. It's going to be more manageable. And it's going to be things that enhance your life versus burden your life. I love that. And you mentioned just like having less stuff versus like the perfection of like living with the one plant and stuff that no that. Because I'll declutter and then I'll think, we don't have that much stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm like, why do we have so much stuff? But just having less, how does that help all the other routines that kind of run in our homes? It helps big time because we have to do everything in our home, right? We have to do laundry. We have to do the dishes. We have to clean the kitchen. But if we have less things that we're dealing with to begin with, then that's going to make your systems and routines just go a lot quicker. And it's going to be easier to stick to them too. For example, like in our house, our kids each have 10 to 15 outfits at any one point in their wardrobe. And I do laundry every single day, one load every single day. And I would not be able to do that as well if we had, if they had like 75 outfits, which is actually more of a normal number in, in America with kids. So having less stuff, everything that you have in your home, Kara, is something that you're spending time on. Even if it's like, 
five seconds here or two minutes there, it builds up. And in your day, when you're already a busy mom, like those minutes count, like those seconds even count, right? So if we're trying to create more room to be able to have better routines and to enhance our lives as mom, then having less things is just going to make it a little bit easier on you. I agree with that. I was, I took a tip. I think it was on your Instagram where you pick out your kids' clothes at the start of the week. And so we do that now. My four-year-old, she picks out her clothes. They never match, but she loves to do it. So I just let her go with it. She's a fashionista. And so on Sunday, she picks out her clothes for the week. It makes our mornings so smooth. But the one thing I noticed um, was I was doing less laundry because it wasn't like piling up as much. And then at the end of the week, there were still clothes in the drawer. And I was starting to notice how many clothes were left in the drawer. And I was like, why do we need this? Like I'm doing getting clean. So I was able to, it was easier for me to get rid of and donate some of the clothes because I saw what she was wearing in a full week. She didn't need 900 other outfits to, to replace them with. Um, so it does, it helps save the time um, with everything we do. The other thing that you talk a lot about is the visible spaces and how clutter trigger our stress and anxiety. And I always say it on like outer order, at least inner calm. Like when I and my anxiety is through the roof and I'm starting to stress, it's because of the stuff. And I, I find myself saying like, I can't stand this house. Like there's so much stuff. It makes me angry. Like the clutter makes me anxious, which for me like manifests as like anger. And it wasn't until I realized like, oh, it, it's the stuff. Um, that I was like, okay, let's do something about this. So can you talk a little bit more about this and like how the visible spaces and the clutter and the anxiety and how it all kind of ties together in our moods? You are not alone, first of all, in how you feel about that, especially as women, because it's actually been scientifically proven. Like there's been studies done on this where clutter raises cortisol levels in women homeowners. So not the men, of course, they get a pass on this, right? Um, but in a woman homeowner, when she walks into her home and she sees clutter, her stress level literally rises. So um, having that visual clutter or visual clutter, which can be the same thing or can be different things. But just for an example, um, the front of your fridge, if you have anything on the front of your fridge, it is affecting you whether you realize it or not in a negative way. You might think it's a good thing because a lot of people keep calendars on there or pictures or like save the dates or things like that. But to your brain, having a clear, a flat surface like that in your face with stuff all over it, it registers as visual clutter, which raises your stress hormones. So having clear surfaces like that is something that sounds silly and people think I'm crazy every time I work with a new client and I tell them to, to take everything off the fridge I call it the naked fridge so they're like yeah I'm not going to do that and then I'll push them and they'll be like okay I'll try it so for seven days you have anything on your fridge take it off have a naked fridge for seven days you don't have to throw it away put it in the drawer um but you'll realize the entire feeling of the room is going to change when you walk into it. Did you do it when we did the challenge? I'm looking at my fridge. I was in your challenge and I loved it. And I forgot about the stuff that was on there anyway, that was so darn precious. I had to keep it on the front of the fridge. Um, but I love it because I was getting annoyed. My kids were pulling things off the fridge and then it was making a mess on the floor. And now like, it feels, I don't know why it feels more open. It does. It totally changes it. And that's same for like horizontal surfaces in your home. So like countertops and things like that, 
Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know I do something called PM pickup, which is where I go through the entire first floor of the home and I do these like silly time-lapse videos. And every single time people send me DMs and they're like, where's your toaster? Where's your knife block? Where's your coffee pot? And I'm like, it's not on the surface because again, whether you realize it or not, it's registering as clutter to you. So everything is off the counter every single night before I go to bed. That's one of my big routines. And it's not just visual, right? So like if you, if you walk into a room and there is actual clutter, there's paperwork in piles, um, there's stuff all over the counter, there's stuff all over the floor. Again, it's going to raise your stress levels. It's going to raise your anxiety. And as moms, we don't need anything else to raise our stress levels, right? I just know like when I had a home that was full of clutter, I would wake up. I used to, I don't know why I did this, but I used to pile my bills next to my bed on the bedside table because I would always work on my paying bills in bed, like on the laptop. So like I would wake up and that would be the first thing I saw every morning and I'd go to bed and that would be the last thing I saw every night. And so every time we have clutter in our home, then we are basically like not even giving ourselves the opportunity to have a good start to our day where we can be intentional and do all of the things that we want to be doing as moms or just as women. Oh my gosh. It's so, it is so incredibly true that like pile of papers, there's something about it that I just, I, my stress. Yeah. The clutter and the stuff, I, I cannot handle it. I'm like, this is, and that's what like prompted me to start just getting rid of stuff. And now I'm like really easy to throw everything away. I'm like, you get to a point where you're like, I just like sometimes so I do like, obviously I don't need to be decluttering every day, but I do what I call maintenance declutters and I have a whole schedule for it. Um, and every time I do it, I'm like, I barely even look at it. If it hasn't been touched or used in a month, it's gone. Like it's not worth it in my home. It's oh, not taking up real estate. I love, that. I love that because I had done a huge declutter last January and then I did another one this January and I found things that stayed like they made it clear. And I was like, why is this still here? I didn't, t- and, I, and I remember putting it on the top shelf in the closet in the office. It was like cords or something silly. And I was like, all right, we're just going to leave this and see if I need it. And I never went back to it. And then, then January was like, no, no, I didn't touch this all year. Like you go. And it's freeing. Isn't it just like, but you know what, Kara, that's the funny thing that you said that is that I see it all the time. I know it was really hard for me at first too. It's hard to get rid of our stuff. Like no one ever teaches us that, right? Growing up, like we live in a very consumeristic culture, like buy, 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 like give, 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 and but don't ever like let something go. Um, so we are never taught how to let go. We're never taught how to live with less. And so when you're like trying to figure out this new journey of getting rid of stuff, all of these obstacles are going to start coming up in you and you're going to be like, I don't know if I can give that away. Even if I haven't touched it in seven years, it's still, there's like a pull to not let it go. And there's a lot of different things. It could be like, um, well, somebody gave this to me and I feel bad giving it away or this person passed away or like, I feel like I'm contributing to waste in, in our culture that like, doesn't care about the environment. Like there's so many different things that can come up for you. So I truly believe that it's super, super important to deal with those first before you declutter, because if you don't, you're not going to get rid of, you're not going to be ruthless enough and you're going to just continue to do it over and over and over. 
Okay. All right. So there's yeah. a lot of mindset stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Let's get practical. Where can moms just get started and where do you recommend they start um, to kind of baby step into some decluttering so that they don't get overwhelmed and like start one day and quit by Wednesday? <laughs> some things that they can do to get started. So a couple of things. Number one, if you can all do the fridge, I know even if you're sitting there rolling your eyes at me, just try it for seven days. Um, another great place to start is the bathroom because you're not going to typically find very sentimental things. A lot of like those obstacles probably aren't going to come up for you in the bathroom because getting rid of like a bottle that has this much lotion in it isn't that hard if you're really trying to be ruthless. Another thing, which I know, I think we're going to talk a little bit about digital decluttering, but another thing is your phone, your home screen of your phone is another big one. I would just start with those because I think those are the ones that are going to be the easiest for you to do. A lot of things aren't going to come up, but you're going to start to feel momentum. Like you said, when you walk in your kitchen, it feels totally different. You don't understand why you're going to feel momentum from that. And then you're going to be able to move into some of the harder areas of your home. And how do you do that? How do you start making clutter your routine? Like, is this a thing where moms should set aside X amount of time? They should start do certain rooms. If a mom's like, I need to declutter my house. Like I know it's stressing me. What's a system that they could start to put in place to kind of tackle things in their home? So this is going to vary depending on a couple of things, like how many kids you have, how many people are living in your home, how much stuff you have, how much time you have. Are you working full time out of the home? Like it's going to be different for everyone because you're going to have different levels of time available and also different things that you're going to have to work through. So um, in my program, I teach it, you can do it in 20 minutes a day. Um, and I fully believe, like I have women in there that work full time out of the home, 40 to 50 hours a week, and they're still doing that and getting it done in two to four months of just 20 minutes a day. So that's kind of what I would focus on though. If you, um, want to just like, you're ready to get started, just focus on those smaller areas, set a timer for 20 minutes and just pick one area and just get it done. And if you have more time on the clock, then pick another area. If not, you can feel good about what you've already done in those 20 minutes. I love that concept. Yeah. I do. It's like you at least get that in and you can be like, yeah, you did it. And then, and then move. But I think it's that momentum. I think a lot of times we get so overwhelmed with feeling like we have to do it all. It's like, if you've ever had like a Saturday free and you're like, I'm going to declutter the whole garage. Saturday comes and all of a sudden it's 9 p.m. and you're like, what did I have to do? Right. You and your spouse like hate each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, nobody's eating yeah. all day. Right. So like this 20 minute system you're mentioning, I think is great to like pre-plan it out in your calendar and say, this is the time I'm gonna take. And my goal is to so what's the goal? Is it just to get rid of stuff? They were trash and stuff. I know that sometimes a roadblock people hit is like well, I want to donate. Well, maybe I'm going to try to sell it on the marketplace. And then it stays in their house or that there's like a funny around like that bag. Like I'm going to spend all this time to come to my house and then sit with the bag of clothes. in my. In my exactly. Bag. Like people drive around for like five months with like bags in their truck. Yeah. <laughs> in their trunk. Yeah. But uh, I was that person. I was that thing with some of that stuff, which is in my trunk forever. So all these roadblocks, right? Like they come up for us. Um, what is the goal when we declutter? Like just to get it out the house? Yes. So I actually recommend when you're first starting and you're going through like the first full round of decluttering your home, not to sell 
anything. And that's like a hard pill to swallow, especially if you're living on a tight budget or one income or anything like that. And I get it. Like I am the most frugal, like Dave Ramsey fan you would ever meet in your life. Um, However, getting like $7 on marketplace for something that takes two hours of your time is not worth it. And you are going to get so much more out of the process if you can instead take that two hours of time and put it into the actual decluttering or any other goal that you're working on. Selling things just takes away, it slows down your momentum. And a lot of times it completely stops momentum. Like I can't even tell you how many times people have told me that they start to declutter. They have all these things they want to list. They go on marketplace, they go on Craigslist, they post in mom's groups. And then like three weeks later, they forgot about decluttering because they got so frustrated with like all the drama on marketplace. (laughs) Because people on marketplace, it's like another level. I don't understand why, but like if you put anything on marketplace, you're going to have drama come out of the woodwork with the people trying to buy your stuff. Like I would hold on to things like waiting for someone to buy it for like months. And I'm like, well, they don't want to buy it for $10. Like what if? I know. And I was working with a mom who she was trying to sell. Like, she was like, I get what you're saying, Diana, but I just like, I really need to sell this stuff. And I'm like, okay, if someone in my program really like, they just have to sell, or maybe that's like the deal breaker for their spouse, their spouse is like, sure, you can get rid of stuff, but you have to sell it, which happens. Then I have guidelines in place that they can follow. Like you have to sell it within seven days. And if it's not gone, then you can donate it, that kind of thing which I do still think it slows down your progress, but it's kind of like a compromise. However, one, one woman I was working with, she was selling something that was, she listed it for $25. She ended up getting $18 for it. She went to meet the person in a parking lot to sell it. The person showed up and they only had $15. They had to go back home and get three more dollars. Like she spent four hours in one day on this transaction for $18. And then the person never ended up showing back up. So she didn't even get the money. But I think that's just like the perfect example about marketplace and how it just slows down your progress. By the time she got home, the last thing she wanted to do is devote any time to decluttering, right? She wanted to give up on the process. So the, the goal is to just get it out of your house in whatever way you can have friends come over and shop your house. You can donate it. You can trash it. You can recycle it. And I have different guidelines for that too, as far as what you donate or trash or whatever. But yeah, selling, don't hate me, but I don't recommend it. I I think once you get into maintenance mode, if you have things that you want to sell, then that's fine because you're not in that like ruthless, like that mindset. But when you're starting out, I don't think you should. Okay. Well, let's talk about maintenance mode a little bit. So if I've gone through, I've decluttered, um, what are some routines that I could put into my day to day? to make this not something that I have to do all the time. So this is interesting. Someone actually sent me a DM today on Instagram about this whole concept of like, how do you feel, how can you as a minimalist feel done or like feel like you've hit a level where you feel good and you're not constantly striving for less. Like most people say striving for more, but like, how do you not let that like dominate your home and your life and your mind? And I think it's different for everyone, but what I have done personally is I've set specific maintenance routines and schedules where I know that at those times, I'm going to go through the whole house 
in two hours and be ruthless and be done with it after that. So that it's not like a constant thing. I'm like every single day thinking like, what can I get rid of? What can I get rid of? At the same time, it's kind of become second nature for me to like, as I'm picking up the playroom, I see like a half broken crayon. I'm going to just toss it instead of like in the past, I maybe would have held on to it anyway, even though it was broken, you know, but I think having like a specific schedule allows you to be a little bit less crazy about it at all other times of your life. And you know, like, it's okay. The kids got 8 million toys for Christmas. They can play with it. And then I know like at the next maintenance declutter round, I can go through and get rid of what they're not playing with. And I can feel okay. Everybody can breathe, but we don't have to feel like we're constantly doing it every single day. That's good. Let's talk about the kids and the family. Getting them on board because... Yeah, that's tough. I mean, you, you alluded a little bit to the, you know, the fact that your husband wasn't really on board and that a lot of women will like hit a very similar obstacle. How do we get our kids and our family board without us, you know, them thinking we're going to throw them in the donate bottom? It's kind of of funny because I always say like husbands either love me or hate me, like, Because they're like, yeah, she's finally getting rid of stuff. Or it's like, why is she telling you to throw everything away? But yeah, if you have a spouse or kids that are not on board, there's a lot of different things you can do. They're they're totally different like beasts that you have to work with, right? Like so for a spouse, my husband was totally against it. He's like, what, what are you doing? First of all, why don't touch my things? Like I don't want anything thrown away. He is very sentimental. He holds on to things. Just as an example, um, when I was going through the whole process to begin with, I was going through the basement and I found all these boxes that he had like brought into our home from the past. And there was this huge moving box. Like, I don't even know, like seriously half the size of like a fridge box full of jewel CD cases, but like no CD, like just the cases. (laughs) So when I brought it up to him, I was like, why? Like, what is the point of this? And he's like, they're memories. So to him, it was like, it was important to him to keep all those because they all like brought him back to different points in his life. So I did things totally wrong. Like when I was going through the process, I now teach women what to do, basically the opposite of what I did because I thought how much it slowed me down. Do not ever, ever, ever get rid of your husband's items without his permission. That's a, that's a big one that a lot of people do. Like they'll go through their things when they're at work because they're like, well, they'll never know. It's not worth breaking the trust of your husband to get rid of like four t-shirts, right? But I would say if I could just give one piece of advice is to talk to him about why you're doing it, right? We're not just getting rid of stuff just to get rid of stuff. We're getting rid of stuff to free up space in our home to, to lessen our anxiety, to make a more calm and relaxing atmosphere for ourselves and for our children, and to free up time that we can now spend on things that we want to spend on instead of just picking up all the time, right? So talking to them about it, being open with them about why you're doing it, and then let them see the advantages and what's happening when you start to hear it of things. So focus on your things. Focus on your kids' things. Focus on things in the house that that maybe his also that he doesn't care about. So like the kitchen. My husband was like, whatever you want to get rid of in the kitchen, I don't care. He's not ever in there. But there was one day when he saw the girls 
in the playroom <laughs> for like an hour and a half and they hadn't come out. They were just playing quietly. They were having fun. And he was like, why are they like, what's happening? Like normally they would have gone in for like three minutes and come out fighting and like, I'm bored, you know? And so he started to see like, oh, like they have way less toys and this is actually making them play independently longer. He would see in me like, you're a lot less anxious at night when I come home from work and we're not fighting as much about like our responsibilities in the home and keeping the house clean and like everything like that. So my last piece of advice for that is that don't ever confront them about decluttering when you're angry and like you're like mid purge and like taking everything out and you're like, why can't you get rid of all this crap? I'm so tired of it. Like that's the last time you want to talk to them about it. Wait till date night and you've had a a bottle or a glass of wine, either one. And like calmly talk to him about why when you're both in a good mood. And I think that's just going to help a lot. That's really helpful. I, yeah, the first time I did it, I remember getting so irritated at my husband's stuff, but I was like, you know what? I'm not going to touch any of them. He keeps like all boxes, like for every pair. Oh yeah. We still got that in our house. Yep. <laughs> but I never touched them because I was like, whatever, this is what it is. And then I noticed a couple months ago, he just gets in the mood and does it. All the shoe boxes were piled up and he was ready to get rid of them. And then they sat there and then eventually I moved them out. So I was like, are we, he's like, I just, I'm like they're still sitting right here but he made the move and I was like oh because I think he started to see that I was happier because I wasn't kicking over all the shoeboxes <laughs> and exactly exactly I know and like my husband is not a minimalist like by any means so we've had to compromise a lot um like we have very different things in our home. Like he has two entire cabinets in our kitchen that he can do whatever with because he has held on to like every pint glass he's ever gotten from every bar or brewery, you know? And like, for me, if I, if I had my way, I'd get rid of all of them, but it's his house too. He still gets to have ownership over his things, but we're able to like maneuver it in a way where we can compromise and it doesn't affect like the overall aesthetic or feeling of the home. That's good. What about the kids? Okay. So kids, this is going to vary based on ages because you're going to like anything like three and under, you can pretty much just declutter without them because they're not, they may notice, but if they do, it's like, you know, like shiny, like something new and they forget about it. So, um, I would say once you hit age four to six is when it can become a problem getting rid of things because especially at that age, they, like I said earlier, they're developmentally appropriate for them to hold on to things and to create collections. So a really great thing for any kid of any age is to create guidelines as far as like specific spaces. So for example, we have, my six-year-old has a book basket. She has this big basket. She can keep as many books as she wants, as long as they nicely fit into this book basket. So that gives her ownership over it. She gets to decide what stays and what goes, but she feels better about it because she still feels in control. And I feel good about it because it's not like the books have overflowed and taken over her entire room. So we have specific spaces for pretty much everything. <laughs> like we have a drawer for baby dolls and baby clothes. And we have another drawer for like sentimental items when a, a friend gives her a birthday card and things like that. So having like specific criteria for them helps them to feel like they're in charge. They can help, but also 
talking to them about decluttering, like why we're getting rid of things and also how is it going to help other kids when we're donating toys, for example. I've always brought my kids with me to donation drop-offs because they can see like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like it's actually going somewhere. It's not just like going in a trash bag and they never see it again. If they're willing to get rid of a toy, for example, bring them with you to the donation center, like walk inside, make a big deal about it to the employee that's working. Like, look, Riley is getting rid of this teddy bear that she doesn't play with any longer. And she thinks another kid could really enjoy playing with it. That doesn't have any toys. And nine times out of 10, there's always going to be that one employee that doesn't, but nine times out of 10, they're going to like see you and hear what you're doing and really like play it up also and make a big deal out of it. She's been given candy before by like employees and just like praise them, make it a big deal. And then don't only talk to them about it in the moment, like all year round, talk to them about why we live with less, why we give to other kids that don't have anything and get them involved in other types of situations where they can give back, not just physical items. Like we go pack food boxes so that they can like really wrap their little brains around like some people don't have enough money for food, much less toys. And when they really start to understand that, I think something really clicks and they're able to much easily let go of things when it's time to let go of things. Those are some really good tips. We did something similar. I, I struggle to get rid of books. We just have, we have so many and I love them. And there was some books I really wanted them to keep. Um, and my daughter was going through the house. Would you like a book rotation? And she was like, yeah, we can donate this. And, and she started to give them all. And I was like, we want to keep some. We went and given them to one of the teachers at the school. Um, and I pass them around like however you want. But I had to like let her have that control. And I think that's really important because kids don't feel like they have any control. So instead of saying like, well, all your Legos, it's like Legos got to fit in the box, <laughs> you know? It buys them in. The last thing I want to talk about today was we touched upon the digital decluttering. I did some of this. I was a little resistant to it at first because because I'm my, I will say like my phone, my desk, my husband just laughs at me with the amount of icons. It was like four layers of like icons on my computer. It's bad. Don't judge, but it's bad. But I did my phone like you had recommended, and I I love it now. I'm totally. So I wanted to talk and kind of close out on digital decluttering, the power of that, and and how moms can start doing some things there. Yeah. So digital clutter, right, is affecting our brains just as much as physical clutter. And maybe even more so because we are, it's in our face like all day long, our phones and our computers and our laptops. So I really, truly think that digital decluttering is something that's super important, especially as moms. So everyone understands what we're talking about. I did a challenge a while ago, and one of the challenges was to have a completely blank home screen except for one folder, which is like your daily folder. And these are the apps that you use daily, right? And I recommend putting some pretty picture or like a motivational quote. I change mine out every single week. Um, and I put whatever quote is like something that I'm really focusing on in my life or I'm trying to be really intentional about. And so every time I open my phone, instead of like 8,000 apps screaming for my attention, I am seeing this intentional quote that I'm putting into my mind every single time I pick up my phone. 
which if you ever do like the settings and the screen time usage and see how many times you pick up your phone, it's kind of scary in like a day. <laughs> it's a little out of control, especially as like online business owners. It's like, holy moly. So another thing that I do with phones is I recommend color coordinating folders. So on your home screen, you'll have a blank home screen with whatever quote or picture that motivates you or inspires you. One folder that has your daily apps. So like for me, it's my calendar, it's my notepad, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's anything that I need daily. After that, if you swipe over, then there's a bunch of different folders that are color coded. So like all the black apps are in one folder, all the red apps are in one folder. And this is a big thing that people fight me on. Like, they're like, you're insane. Like, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And then I'm like, just try it. Like, just try it you'll realize really quickly how your brain remembers like the shift app is green and white. Like you just pick up on it. And if you don't, it's super easy to just scroll over and type it in and it pops up. But what this does again, is it reduces that visual clutter. It makes you feel like it's a very pretty aesthetic when you look at your phone and you just feel more in control when you're looking at a screen that looks like that versus everything all over the place. So that is one thing that I would really recommend Another thing is I get asked all the time about photos and videos and like we take 8,000 a day. And so it can be really easy as moms to take a million pictures of our kids. And then by the end of the year, you have like literally 60,000 photos on your phone and you, you don't even look at them because they're so far back in the feed of your phone. So something that you can do is download an app called Slidebox. And what it is, is essentially Tinder for your photos and videos, but it connects to your phone so that it creates actual folders in your phone. And it's not like an outside cloud-based thing. So you're not organizing it out into the cloud, which again, you probably will never see it again. It creates actual photo folders on your photo app. So you go through, it pops up. It goes through like the 10 photos that you took today and you swipe left if you want to delete it. You swipe right if you want to keep it and then you can put it into the different folders. It just makes photo organization a lot quicker. You're more likely to do it if you have something like that. And you can, I just do it once a week and go through and swipe and delete. And it's amazing how many things I delete, like screenshots like I take a million screenshots a day and then I'm like why did I take a screenshot of that I don't know um and so I can just delete it and get off my phone and then I can upload it to google photos or anything like that and I love making that part of like a weekly closeout or a weekly routine right like I added a new app on my phone the other day and I've been doing it on Sundays where I move where they need to go um, to keep up with it for maintenance and you know adding that into your routine taking 10 minutes to clean up your phone clean up your computer move your photos I think that those little routines make it a lot less overwhelming when we're doing anything but even the, the digital stuff right like even just intentionally adding that in I think is really cool yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I do this whole thing called Sunday prep. So every Sunday I had, I do a bunch of different things like outfits, like we talked about earlier is one thing we pick out outfits for the entire week and lay them out. We do meal planning, we do grocery order, all of that, but digital decluttering is on that list too. And when you just do it, like, I just do it while I'm watching TV with my husband, like it's 
not something that you have to like sit down and have 10 minutes to do with no one talking to you. You can just do it while you're with your family real quick. Um, and it just helps to keep things from getting too overwhelming. Awesome. Oh, Diana, thank you so much. You have given so many ideas and tips. And uh, I know personally for me, like just inspiration to just get started without it being really scary. So yeah, thank you. Good. Thanks for having me. It was super fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that you were able to get some tips to just parent with more intentionality. Make sure you head over to Facebook and join our private Facebook community group. Just search A Purpose Driven Mom and it'll come up. You can also go to apurposedrivenmom.com slash podcast and you will have access to every single podcast, all the show notes, all the links, all the freebies and all the goodies that I have for you. Thank you again for being a part of the community and I would love and appreciate it if you head over and gave a five-star rating and review. It allows us to find other purpose-driven moms, have an impact on them, and I would love to feature you as the reviewer of the week. Thanks again, and have an amazing day.